You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to the Boys in the Booth podcast, episode 132. Cody, Melbourne, and Abrams with you post-NHL entry draft, which occurred over the weekend at the Bell Centre in Montreal. What a crazy weekend it was. And uh, we look to, uh, forward uh, to free agency starting on Wednesday. So first of all, how are we doing, guys? Well, you know, I'm a little insulted. I am, in fact, recording in the big smoke Toronto tonight. And Chad didn't even uh, invite me over to record in person with him. So it's a little ah. weird. But yeah, I mean, what else can you say? It's, yeah, it's insulting. I wanted to, to keep your stench out of the house case. That devil's stench. I wanted to keep it out. This is uh, a Seattle Kraken stench house only. And that's all we accept. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing well, guys. I got all my merchandise in today. You can see uh, my Boys in the Booth attire that I'm wearing. I got two t-shirts, two hats. Very excited. I just wish I added a fifth item to my order because we have slides now available on the website, boysinthebooth.com, and uh, tons of other stuff. So go there and check it out and uh, get lots of free merch. But yeah, not free. Sorry. Lots of good merch. Not free. My bad. Uh, good stuff in the works, too. We've got two announcements coming up but i don't think i can spoil it quite yet uh so maybe next week hopefully by then we'll be able to uh talk about it and then of course the pepsi cup is coming up that's why you see casey is growing out a bit of a mustache the multiple scorgasms that's my team we're just gonna be mustache guys and uh we're, we're gonna try to get the job done and uh yeah so everything's good right now harp how about you Cool. Yeah, everything's good, man. Uh, lots to look forward to as we are uh, well into July here, and uh, the weather's been fantastic. And again, what a weekend that was in, in Montreal. Of course, I recorded a little video on Friday uh, before day two of the draft got started, and just how crazy round one was. And, uh, you know, a few of the highlights, of course, earlier in the day, Alex DeBrinket going from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Ottawa senators and the fact that chicago goes into the first round of the draft without a single pick and they end up with three and uh they are going all in on Connor bedard in 2023 that's for sure uh it'll be them and arizona fighting for uh for that number one pick uh, and then of course uh you had the canadians going with uri slavkovsky uh the devils taking simon nemich of course so cool to see for the first time ever two slovaks going one and two overall in the draft first time ever there were six total slovakian players that went in the draft and two of them went in the top three so that is pretty cool uh and uh shane wright of course falling to number four to the seattle kraken uh we'll get into that with our guest uh, a little bit later and some habs talk they made a couple of big deals as well alexander romanov to the new york islanders and they get kirby doc from the chicago blackhawks so what a wild weekend oh and i also wanted to mention that Brockville's own Gavin White, who had a great year with the Hamilton Bulldogs, was drafted in the fourth round by the Dallas Stars. So congrats to him. I've been talking to him a little bit, and we hope to get him on at some point. So it was a fantastic weekend. And now what we're going to do is quickly say who we think 
is the team that won the draft weekend. And so we'll get into that now and that and then we'll uh, we'll get to our special guest afterwards. So, Case, let's go to you first with your draft winner from the weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be quick with it. No suspense here. Columbus Blue Jackets are my draft winner this year. Um, Sounds like Chad went down the same road as me from that. (laughs) I've got two, though. Go on. Go on. All right. Well, I mean, first of all, their first pick, the sixth pick, I want to mention that this is Chicago's pick acquired in the South Jones trade where Columbus took them to the cleaners. And they went with David Juracek, who is the second best defenseman in this draft and maybe only the second best because of a bad injury last year. Who knows what he could have done with the rest of the year. Um, from 2017 to 2020, Columbus drafted, uh, in, that's four drafts, the highest D-man they picked was 78th. Their prospect pool on the D-end is weak. So this is exactly what they needed. It's exactly the guy I projected them to pick. So I'm really happy that they went out and got him. Um, moving on to their next pick, uh, pick 12, Denton Matejchuk. Um they continued, continued to add to that deep pool I was talking about. Had a higher points per game than Korchinski, who was picked at seventh and had 13 goals compared to his four goals. This guy is going to be dynamic on the power play and should play well alongside Juracek. So I'm excited for them there. I think that's another guy that they picked exactly where he belonged in the draft. There wasn't a reach. It wasn't you know a huge value pick either, but right where he belongs. Now, they start getting more value when they get on to the second round. Their pick, 44, Luca Del Bell Bellaluz. <laughs> what a name. name. Great name. All-name team, that's for sure. 6'1", 180 center. Only OHL uh, players picked in this draft with more points than him was Shane Wright and Tucker Robinson, which is an absolute steal of a pick for Seattle. Um, NHL scouting had him ranked the eighth best North American skater, and Button and McKenzie had them at 23 and 29, respectively. Like, this is a value pick at number 44. They're going to be really happy about that one, I think. But so I found a lot to like about Columbus's draft when I started digging in to look a little deeper. But this is why I started looking into Columbus, and that's Jordan Dumay. I sent you guys a message on the side, just blown away about this guy and how late he was going to slip uh, with the rankings. He was the th- was third in the league in scoring as a 17-year-old in the queue, where he had 39 goals, um, 100 assists. I bl- uh, I've lost my stats for 109 points in 68 games. The ho- closest guys on his teams were 88 points and 65 points. He was also the QMJHL and CHL Sportsman Player of the Year. Like, what is there not to like about this guy? I'll tell you exactly what. NHL scouts do not like a five foot nine, one sixty five winger. They still have not come around to that, and it blows my mind. He could be the next Debrinkat, and and we're letting him slip to the third round. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there, Case. You finish with with Columbus, or do you want to keep? Oh, I'm still going. Okay, all right, let, was gate. All right, let's Dude, let's keep going. Next then. pick, fourth round, six foot six, two hundred thirty eight pound right winger from Russia with thirty or twenty eight points in thirty three games in the WHL. Why not take a swing? After that, round five, Sergey Ivanov. Always take a swing at a goalie this late in the draft. Why not? Well, this one wasn't even a swing. 9.28 save percentage in 26 MHL games, 9.31 save percentage in 16 in the playoffs to lead the league. That is not a swing at a goalie at all. He might be the steal out of all the goalies in a weak draft for goaltending. Uh, and then their last pick, James Fisher, was a, a um, 
high schooler that they picked full bodied high schooler. I'll, I'll tell you that he's like six, one 198 pounds or something like that ranked 99th in North American skaters and 198 and 96. Those players all went in the fourth and fifth rounds. So I think that they got value in every one of their picks. They did not miss. And I don't know. I was really excited to see Jordan DeMays go to uh, Columbus. Yeah, that was a lot. No, Case, that was great. But that was great. Yeah, like you kind of figured it out. I was also going to say Columbus. I think they won this draft, and I didn't even go that deep into it. I just liked the four guys that they picked. You know, their first four picks. It made total sense to take Juracek at six. Like you mentioned, probably the second best defenseman in the draft. Uh, That's also where I had him on my my draft ranking at six. Uh, So that was great. Denton Matejchuk at 12. You guys know that I thought it would have been a bit of an off-the-board pick uh, if he went in the top 10, but that's where I had him on my draft ranking because I was high on the player. You know, I thought he was just as good as Korchinski, who went before him. Uh, Extremely similar production, uh, both in the WHL. So I thought that was a great pick at 12. And like you said, like the... The Columbus Blue Jackets have Chicago to thank for basically building their entire back end now. You know, so they've got Boquist there. You know, they don't have Seth Jones anymore. He's on Chicago, overpaid, probably going to get traded. And, you know, that that's just he's never going to live up to that contract, unfortunately, because it's just too much. But so now they have Boquist on the back end. You've got Juracek and you've got Matejchuk as well. So that's three absolute studs on the back end. And you can thank Chicago for that. And then, you know, the third pick there that they took 44th overall, Luca Del Bel Belouz. That was a guy on the radar for the Leafs to take late in the first round at 25. There was a lot of chatter about this player, um, you know, and, and I don't know the reason why he sort of slipped this far. But like you mentioned, he was projected to go either late first round or early second round. And so that that's a good value pick there. And then Dume, you talked about the production there. And that's their fourth pick at 96th overall. Just made total sense. Columbus is a team that's not afraid to take a swing on players who might be undersized. You see that in this draft, even with their goalie, who's only 5'11", which there's only, I think, one current NHL goalie under six feet, and that's UC Saros. And he was one of the best goalies in the league last year and the year before. So listen, man, like I know height, weight, size you know, can do a lot for you. And we saw that in the first pick by the Canadians. They went with the big six four power forward and in Slavkovsky instead of the six foot, you know, two way player and Shane Wright. But I don't know, man, at a certain point you gotta start looking at skill and value. And that's what Columbus did all draft long. So I absolutely loved it. So they were my number one for sure. Honorable mention for me though has to go to this team right behind me on the wall, the Seattle Kraken. Getting Shane Wright at fourth overall was an absolute steal. You know, like there's been a lot of talk about that pick, and we're going to get into that with when Alan Atmansky joins us later in the show, because uh, obviously he's a big Habs guy. But getting Shane Wright at four was incredible. I don't think Seattle even thought that that was a possibility at all. And even the teams before them, you know, New Jersey at two, it was pretty clear they wanted a defenseman. I don't think we knew that going in, but it was pretty clear they had their guy. And then for for Arizona at three, when they took Cooley, it was like they probably didn't even interview Shane Wright. They probably didn't have him on the radar because I didn't think they'd get an opportunity. So then when it comes time to pick between Shane Wright, a guy you really don't know, and Logan Cooley, a guy who you've been 
you know, thinking is going to be the next Arizona Coyote for the last, you know, however many months because he's been slotted at that number three spot forever. You're kind of just more familiar with Cooley. And I think that's why they made that pick. And then Seattle just goes, oh, this is great. Shane Wright could be a generational player falling into our laps here like that's fantastic and then they also yeah. picked up jagger Furcus uh in the second round there at 35th overall which i thought was another excellent pick so honorable mention to seattle there also on the all teams name is jagger Furcus. first Dude, of all that guy um, looks yeah. like a jagger Furcus too. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean we talked about when, when we did the projections i had seattle taking a defenseman because it's it's a great way to build through the draft but that's because the, the two best centermen were already taken in shane wright and logan cooley yeah. but the best the, the total best way to build a team is through the middle and we've seen that countless times in the nhl and while maddie Beniers and shane wright up the middle to start your franchise out like that's a good way to do it that's for sure i mean uh vegas certainly doesn't have that center centered strength yeah that that you're seeing in seattle being built we haven't seen it yet but it's going to come and chad the one more that uh, i pointed out was uh before was tucker robertson who was second in ohl scoring in this draft and they they got him in the fourth round so that's another absolute steal for them yeah so was he an overager case like was he 19 this year to get drafted is that why he led scoring and dropped so far like i didn't what yeah, he, he was 19 like okay. that's he's not going to score that many points and then and then go in the fourth round in a regular draft but yeah i still think that you know after after a ohl season where we saw no one play a game this was going to happen with an overage player yeah i like i understand why you know a guy like that will will fall because he's he's a year older than everybody else but still putting up great numbers but at a certain point like don't you think that that's that's just a positive because he's a year closer to playing in the NHL. Like I, I know you can say, Oh, he didn't produce in, in his previous years when he was younger compared to like his draft class. But I don't know, man, like as a team that wants to contend, I think the quicker you can get a player into the league, the better, you know? Mm, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No, like I said, with, with them not playing a single game the year before, like who knows what tucker robertson would have done last year and where he would have been drafted in 2021 so it's i think it's easier to take a swing on an overage player in this year than any other year totally so yeah those those are my two it's columbus number one and then honorable mention has to go to seattle and that's why i I had the jersey up there because i i just loved it shane right at four like that's incredible guys yeah and uh they they definitely had the the capital in the second round they had multiple picks and and yeah J, uh, jager Furcus off the board right away early in the second round that that's a great pick as well and i love uh, i loved everything you said about columbus as well case you know they were in talks with the team that i'm about to to talk about as my winner for a defenseman but i like how they stuck with their picks they addressed an organizational need you look at their back end for the future. Rensky and Boquist are already in that lineup. They drafted uh, Corson Kuhlmans uh, last year. Now they've got Matejchuk and Juracek. Man, oh man, that back end is going to be good for a long time. And my and my favorite player in their D system, Harper, is Stanislas Fazel, the guy I've talked about <laughs> countless times at the World right. Juniors, and and we all know how much I love him. So the all name team. Um, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, I'll get to my winner quickly now before we get to Alan Atmansky here on the podcast. And uh, I know you guys may disagree with this one a little bit. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but uh, I'm going to go with the Arizona Coyotes as as my winner uh, from uh, from draft weekend. Um, This was obviously a big draft for them. They had seven picks in the first two rounds. Uh, They ended up making a couple of trades uh, during the first round of the NHL draft. And so at number three, they take the guy that I predicted they would take in, in Logan Cooley, maybe the most skilled dynamic player in the draft uh, has all the tools to be a number one center in the national hockey league. And then they trade up and they get Connor geeky as well. A big six foot four center. He was projected, I think to go to Winnipeg just outside the top 10. They grab him at 11 uh, in the deal that they made with the San Jose sharks to get that pick. Um, like you said, Case, you got to build a, a, a winning team down the middle. And Bill Armstrong has talked about that countless times, and that's what they did. And then uh, they make a deal with Edmonton to take on Cassian's contract. They flip picks later on in the first round. Uh, they get a couple of future picks as well for taking on Cassian's $3.2 million cap hit. And they draft big six foot seven defenseman Maverick Lamaru. And I found it really interesting. Uh, what Armstrong had to say about him. Armstrong, of course, was in St. Louis before he got to Arizona, and he sees this kid potentially as the next Colton Pareko. So uh, how can you not like that first round if you're a Coyotes fan? Then you go into the other rounds. I'm just going to mention a couple of players really quick. Julian Lutz from Germany, uh, a talented left winger. They took him in the second round, 43rd overall, uh, played uh, in Munich with J.J. Paterka, so a talented German winger. And then Jeremy Langlois, another talented player out of the QMJHL, and they grabbed him in the third round, 94th overall. And uh, he had 47 points last year as a, as a defenseman for uh, for them. So, um, you know, maybe the, the biggest draft in, in franchise history for the Coyotes. And I thought they had a great first round, a couple of uh, great picks later on. And uh, this rebuild continues i thought it was a great weekend for bill armstrong and company in arizona well i think it was a great weekend for arizona just to be getting more prospects in the prospect pool they've had some some troubles in the past and i think it's a it's a good year for them when they're not cheating as well so that's a that's a quick (laughs) quick win off the bat for them definitely love the two center picks um always want to build the team down the middle i said it before and we knew that they were going to make some sort of move to bring in more cap because they need to be above the cap floor. They're going to bring in more cap and pick up a first round pick. I did not see it being Zach Cassie, and that one kind of blew my mind, but um, it's another smart move. You're not winning next year. Just take on the cap, buy the player out eventually, and, and get another pick. Um, I'm a little, I think they reached a little bit on Maverick Lamaru, but where do you put the value on a, on a six foot seven defenseman? That's not something you come across every day. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see his his development throughout the years. Yeah, guys, just before I chime in on this, we've got some breaking news that I think will shock you guys, to be honest. This was a, a free agent that I don't did we talk about him in our episode? We might have. Or maybe not, but it was a notable free agent. Re signed with Colorado 
It's Valerie Nachushkin, eight years, $6.125 million is the AAV, boys. That seems like an overpay. Wow. That is a big ticket. And, of course, big change in the front office for the Avalanche today. Uh, Joe Sackick moving up to president of Hockey Ops, Chris McFarland, now the general manager. And, uh, geez, on the day he gets uh, promoted to GM, makes a huge move re-signing Nichushkin. That is a big ticket. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it was... Like, I wouldn't say that Joe Sackick wasn't completely involved with this. I think this was more of Colorado just saying, we'd rather not lose our guy, so we'll promote Sackick. You know what I mean? But Oh, for sure. But anyways, yeah. I just saw that and wanted to, to put that in. So sorry for the rude interruption as we're talking about Arizona. But I just thought that was crazy. I just got it sent to me, and, and my buddy Nathan just said, what an overpay. And, oh, God. I don't know. It's, it's tough, like. They had to pick between him and Burakovsky. I bet you Burakovsky was asking a lot more than that uh, with his point production this year. And Nishkushkin, Nishkushkin yeah. became such a stud for them in the playoffs. He did. And I'm just worried about think, the term. I think he's deserved such a raise. Like, I, I mean, you're dropping Burakovsky's contract at $4.9 million. So you give Nishkushkin a little bit of a, a raise on that cap hit. It's yeah. like, it's not unbelievable to me, but... Um, maybe a little more than I'm comfortable paying him. Uh, and now let's see what they can do about Kadri. Chad, quick yeah. thought on Arizona, and then let's get to Allen. Yes, okay. Um, personally, I did not like their first round at all. I liked the moves that they did in the first round, um, you know, getting the 11th pick. And what, what, was the, what was the other one? Oh, the 29th pick from Edmonton for to take on Cassian's contract. I liked the moves. I just thought they missed on the pick. Like... So, first of all, Logan Cooley is a no-brainer at number three. I mean, I guess you could have taken Shane Wright, but like I already mentioned, I think they already had Cooley, you know, in mind, and they knew him, and they just wanted to go with that. But Geeky at 11, like, I look at some of the players taken after him, and and especially centers, you know, because that's if that's what they really wanted. I think Frank Nazar, who was taken just two picks later, is a better piece, and I think Noah Ostland, taken by the Sabres at 16, is a better pick if you want a center. Other than that, though, there was also uh, Lekaramaki at 15, Kemmel still available, even Liam Ogren on the table at that point. I just think that, you know, not that Connor Geeky's a bad pick, I just think there were players with maybe higher upsides uh, that you could have taken a swing on, especially because you have three picks. And you know, speaking in the same vein there, at 29, they took a swing at Maverick Lamoureux, but only because he's six foot seven, you know, like, and to me, that just didn't make sense. I think there were two players who went directly after who could have been a way better pick. That's Brad Lambert or Isaac Howard. You know, I just think they have higher ceilings. And if you have three first round picks, at least one of them, you have to take a swing on on a player that's not the safe pick or, you know, isn't the guy you're taking because he's, you know, massive. Like, I just thought they made poor decisions on the draft floor in terms of who they picked. But I did like the idea of of taking on that cap and getting value in return. So if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have the picks in the first place. So I, you know, kind of a mixed bag for me with Arizona, but uh, I definitely think they could have done better on the draft floor. I think it's all right when it when you think in terms of just sheer numbers of players that they picked up yeah, this yeah. last week. And Geeky is, is, from what I've heard, a guy who really benefited from the 
draft combine and i heard that his stock rose quite a bit so maybe they saw something in him they liked a lot maybe they spent a lot of time with that team because there's also matthew savoy to watch there so yeah i don't know it, it's all yep. about what the what the team likes yeah and and not saying geeky was a bad pick i just think that might have been you know there might have just been some more skilled players on the table and if you're arizona it really depends how you want to build your team if it were me i'd build through skill it seems like arizona wants to build through size we'll see what works out you know we've seen both win in the nhl so all right there we go our three winners from nhl entry draft weekend we look forward to free agency coming up on wednesday and now we'll get to uh one of our favorite guys to have on the podcast assistant gm of the picton pirates and the voice of the kingston frontenacs and the rmc paladins mr alan etmanski coming up all right our nhl entry draft recap episode Episode 132 of the podcast continues here and joining us, one of our favorite, most popular guests. Uh, he's the assistant GM of the Picton Pirates and the voice of the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL and the RMC Paladins as well. Alan Atmanski back on the Boys in the Booth podcast. Alan, how are you this morning, brother? I'm great. I, I think that most of Montreal is over the shock and awe of that draft last week. And I think they can all start to move forward with development camps going and, and building some excitement now. You can tell Harper just woke up from a nap when he's asking good morning or, or how's your know, morning going at 6 p.m. Hey, 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 listen, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. He's a morning show host. So so like yeah. he's up at 4 a.m. and then he's got a nap in there. So it's like second second morning for him right now. He also forgot one of your most important credits which is the biggest shit talker in the boys in the booth fantasy chat. <laughs> I never pass up an opportunity to throw some jobs in there. That's yeah. sure. uh, well, Alan, uh, first of all, you know, thanks for, thanks for coming on. We, we love chatting with you and uh, we're going to talk about the Montreal Canadians and their draft weekend. And, uh, and then obviously uh, your boy Shane Wright out of, out of Kingston. So let's start with the Habs and we'll go with the low hanging fruit here and uh, your thoughts on the number one pick and going with the big Slovak winger, in your eyes, Slavkovsky at number one overall. I wasn't as shocked as some people. There were rumblings earlier in the week that that they might be leaning towards him or or not going with Shane Wright. And so you kind of explore that a little bit and find out that there's smoke. I think I told Chad. I think I sent Chad a message. I'm like, yeah. there's some smoke there. And then uh, they wound up taking him. And he's, a, he's something that Montreal has had trouble finding over the years. A guy that can produce and has size. And usually it's either he can produce and he's smaller or he's got size and he doesn't produce. But with Slavkowski, it's it seems like he's got both of those anyways from uh, the, the track record. And he's only 18 years old, six foot four, 220 pounds. Like there's a lot to like there. And then they kicked off development camp and they showed like clips of him uh, doing the energy or the, the bike that they do. And like the guy is only almost like ripping the bike right off the ground as he's doing his sprints on it. And I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. His combine was great. The physical stuff, but I also loved listening to his interviews. He had this, like this, he was so certain in himself yeah. that he was, it wasn't like arrogancy, but he was certain in himself and in his abilities and that he was going to be the best player in this draft. And that's what he said is that, you know, when I retire, I want to be known as the best player that was in this draft. Well, now he went first overall. So he's really got to prove that. Well, and I liked, I liked his quote leading up to the draft where he was like, okay, Montreal better draft here. I'm going to fill the net against him. And <laughs> I, I like immediately everybody, 
everybody made the Pavel Zadina comparison, but it's fair. Like, yeah. Like if if a player like that goes more often than not, he comes back against Montreal and burns them. Yeah, and there's <laughs> multiple examples of it throughout the league. It's just the way that the cookie crumbles when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I'm going to fear Shane Wright um, every time he plays New Jersey now. But I just remember throughout the whole year, everyone in Montreal is saying uh, the price is right. Well, I think they should have been saying slack off for Slakovsky. (laughs) Oh, that's the first time I've heard that one, Case. How long did that take in the old brain box? I pulled that out of my ass (laughs) when we were calling Alan in here. (laughs) That was good. Attach the trademark to that one. That was great. (laughs) So, Alan, I wanted to ask, I mean, I, I know we talked a few days before the draft, and that's what you said, you know, there's some smoke there. I'm not really sure who they're going to take, but were you disappointed, first of all, that you didn't get Shane Wright, the guy that you've been watching for years in, in Kingston? I would have loved to get Shane Wright, and, and probably it's a little selfish of me as a Habs fan because I was there in Kingston when he came into the league and did one of his first interviews and I've seen him so I know what he's capable of but when you take a step back and you look at the the entire body of work it's easy to see why maybe he didn't go as high as as he thought and the one thing that's probably a detriment to him is that he was one of those uh, few exceptional players where all along he's been told how good he is how good he is how good he was and never really faced any adversity i guess you would say and that's one of the things with that Slavakovsky had going for him is that he's faced adversity and he's faced his shortcomings but he's dealt with them head on and whereas Shane Wright it's almost like everybody else wanted to cover them up for him like even last year everybody was quick to come out and, and myself too just talk about how he's doing other things better or his these aspects of his game have improved and i think it sheltered him a little bit yeah for sure uh alan i want to move on to uh the the two trades that that the habs made i mean what a what an opening draft for for Kent Hughes first time as a as a GM and with the draft in Montreal like oh man it was just it was electric watching it you know they they make the big splash with the number one pick and then the two deals and so I think there were a lot of people that were surprised by both deals uh, sending Alexander Romanov to the New York Islanders and then acquiring Kirby Doc from the Blackhawks so I want to start with the Romanov deal a guy that had a pretty good season, a physical defenseman, and uh, was kind of starting to become a fan favorite in Montreal. Were you surprised by that deal? What are your thoughts? A little bit I was. Um, he seemed to be in their plans moving forward, but whether something rubbed them the wrong way over the last year or he express, expressed interest to go elsewhere, um, it seemed that it was kind of like a mutual splitting where they could find it was one of those hockey trades where it helps everybody. And uh, it really played into them. I think selecting Slavkovsky because now all of a sudden you've got Kirby doc, who's going to be a center for you, which opens up the option to go and draft on the wing. Yeah, yeah that, that made total sense yeah. to me. Like when, when they took Slavkovsky, it was almost like, okay, something has to be in place now for a center because you know, it was a toss up between the two at number one, obviously. And like that was going into it. We weren't really sure who was even going to get picked. And I don't think even the players knew until the names were called. That's what it seemed like. So as soon as Montreal made the pick, it was like, OK, what's next? And I'm so happy that Hughes was able to get that done because, you know, how long or like how many drafts in a row have we seen where it's just kind of quiet, no major deals? 
Not this year, guys. This this year was an exciting draft. Probably one of the oh, best I've I've watched. It, it yeah. was best case scenario for the NHL because the last two drafts have been online, right? So there's not a lot of hype over it. Players aren't going and doing the walk down from the crowd with their agents and all that stuff. So the NHL really had to hit a home run this year. And Ken Hughes kicked it off with a bang, and then it was off and running. And kudos to Gary Bettman for playing the role of the heel to a T. There's nobody that does it better than him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. Uh, and 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 quick, uh, Alan, just a, a thought on on Kirby Doc and what excites you the most about him coming to Montreal. The upside excites me a lot about him. It's it's definitely a move where it's high risk, high reward because there's a lot at stake for them if uh, he doesn't pan out. And there's a hope that he can get back to. Uh, what he showed flashes of, I think, two years ago. Um, if it doesn't, well, then everybody's going to say, well, Ken Hughes isn't the guy for this job, and they're going to cite that deal and the drafting of Slavkovsky. But I think that you look at him, and there's a lot of reason to think that he will regain his form. Chicago was pretty much a mess the last year, year and a half. They had on-ice struggles, but they also had a lot of stuff going on off the ice. So to get him out of there, get him a fresh start, and Montreal, they're they're pretty much starting fresh with Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, Marty St. Louis. It's a new regime in. It's a new aura around the team. So I think that could that could help him find his stride again. Yeah, I think the the scare there maybe is it like st- the way his career has started. It kind of stinks of Ryan Strom or Dylan Strom rather, and um, you're just worried that it's going to turn out that way. Kind of the the big world junior player that everyone loved in the juniors and, and was well, he didn't play in the U20s, but I mean he was the guy we were all excited for him he, he had a great rookie year and then an injury and it's like which way is he gonna go and that's the exciting part of this trade is i think that he's gonna he's gonna really pan out he's got a lot of upside and some well, and, he, and he and he gets to play with a guy he's gonna be right slotted behind nick suzuki which is exciting for him he gets to play along with uh, um cole caulfield and then you look at some of these draft picks they got hudson on on a steal who's very much in the same s- He's kind of a Cole Caulfield to me. If you look at him, the way he's built, you could be getting Cole Caulfield 2.0 and then Owen Beck just inside of the second round. Like, There's a lot of good high-end draft picks made by the Montreal Canadiens in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Alan, what like talking about all the players then that the the Habs have? What do you think the top six shapes up to be next year? Does Slavkovsky play right away? Does he play top six minutes? Like, how do you see it shaking out? Best case scenario. That's a hard one because he's never like the thing with Slavkowski and this is maybe the one thing that is the reason I would have liked Shane Wright over Slavkowski is that Wright would have had the closest thing to what an NHL schedule would have been where you're practicing every day. You're playing three and four, two and three, traveling all over the place. And I don't think Slavkowski has ever had that. He's played a lot of hockey, but. I, I think when I was looking, the most games he played in a year was 50 or something. And travel over in Europe is very, very, it's not like it is in the OHL where you're all over the place. And so that's going to be interesting to see. And it wouldn't shock me if he wound up uh, in Laval. I think he can go. I'm not sure what the rules are anymore. They've changed them over the last time. But I think he can wind up in Laval and get some seasoning. I think it's only the major junior guys that have to go back to their um, junior clubs and so it wouldn't shock me if he starts in Laval and they just kind of ease him in um, because it will be a big jump for him um, and it, it's the speed is a huge step as well and a lot of players 
struggle with that and that's the one thing when you talk to them they say the speed the speed the speed and it will take him a while to get up to it he's got the size he's got the skills but now can you put it all together with the speed yeah and that's that's what he said he was working on the most the last two years was his speed that's why he went to finland and but it doesn't matter how much you work on it out there when you get into a north american rink and have to dodge you know 30 year old six foot five 230 pound defenseman but it may it may benefit him in that regard whereas he's been working on it on the bigger rinks and covering more space so now you're in that enclosed area and it might help him out yeah the the thing i've heard a lot about him is his puck protection and that's something you need to hear from one of these large wingers that you're drafting it's you need to have puck protection especially when he gets into the corners so yeah, it's all about knowing how to use your frame. Like, there's some guys out there who are six three, six four, and you'd never know. You'd think they're five ten, five eleven. But if you've got a guy who can really go in those corners and win those battles and come out with it, it's going to make life for your centerman a lot easier. And it takes a while, right, for for guys as big as Slavkovsky to to figure it out, to you know, to fill into that big frame. But I mean, he he looks like he's he's sped up the process already and and uh it's it's going to be interesting to see how he does at the nhl level so um no love the player and uh yeah makes a lot of sense for the habs and uh to to wrap up the talk about about montreal allen uh, obviously we've got free agency uh opening on wednesday um we saw michael pizzetta get a get a one-year extension today uh i was kind of surprised that they chose not to give a qualifying offer to Rem Pitlick. I thought that he was a pretty good player for them and, and they decided not to qualify Kale Clegg as well. So just your thoughts on that and, and what you expect uh, the rest of the way here uh, from the Habs as we get into free agency. So it's interesting you bring up the qualifying offers because I think a lot of that has to do with arbitration rights. And so if they qualify them, then down the road, they're eligible for arbitration, which means that they'll get a pay raise and Montreal's going to be a team that's very much in some cap trouble uh, moving forward. So this way, uh, with no qualifying offer, they still can go and sign them, but at a lesser dollar value. And, and I think they will. I think they'll probably hold on. They didn't qualify Josh Brook either. Um, right. What, but I just think that it's going to be a deal that they make where a, they get a bargain and then sign them to a bigger deal down the road. Yeah. No, that ma- that makes a lot of sense for sure. And uh, Alan, just going back to Shane Wright, uh, you know, a, a young man who you've you've gotten to know very well, covering the the Kingston Frontenacs. And so, uh, did you did you text him or, or get in touch with him at all after uh, you know he he fell to number four to Seattle? And uh, uh, just how excited are you for for him for this opportunity uh, to be a a number one or to center with that organization for a very long time along with Matty Beneers. I thought about it, but then he's got so much going on and, and he would have been a little disappointed after dropping. So I just left it, but there's a big Kingston connection to the Seattle Kraken as well. They've got, uh, off the top of my head, they've got John Goodwin, who used to be involved with the Frontenacs. They've got Mike Dawson in scouting, who used to be a Kingston Frontenac. Paul McFarland is there, and Chris McDonald, 
who's a former coach, uh, is also there. So it makes a lot of sense that they would have seen him a ton. And I know um, towards the end of the North Bay series, it wasn't uncommon to see Ron Francis uh, at the France games in Kingston. And they they made it known that they liked him and were hoping they would get the opportunity to draft. I don't think they thought they would actually get it. But, hey, <laughs> it's a good spot for them to go, a team on the up and up. And they have some depth at center now with Shane and and – the all the other guys that they've got drafted and um i think the future for the seattle Kraken is looking better than their debut season that's for sure (laughs) thankfully for chad they might even win a series before his beloved leafs they probably will they probably will they didn't really pick up a guy and no one blew up in their first season that became the guy they don't have their franchise guy that they're gonna do all of the big advertisements with and you know slap his face on everything well i think they just got their guy in this draft because yeah we all expected him to go one overall so that's and, huge and they didn't waste any time they had it right out uh right after they drafted him they had him with a stick and the jersey on they had him out to the seattle mariners game on the weekend which happened yeah. to be against toronto which was uh great timing on their part and and now he's over there at the development camp and the day after he got drafted too, signed a huge deal with warrior just right away so now he's a he's a warrior oh. athlete um, and so actually, if you see on draft day, so this might have been in place before. This was just something I picked up. I thought it was cool on like Facebook, Instagram, whatever. The NHL posted a bunch of photos like of the guys, you know, sitting on a chair with an old stick and some old skates, like a vintage draft day photo. Right. All the mm-hmm. guys had a vintage stick in their hands. Shane Wright was the only guy with a modern stick. And guess what? It was a brand new warrior because he just signed his deal that day. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. And Alan, I also thought it was funny as you were mentioning the the connections that Seattle has to Kingston. Harper was the only one like nodding along and going, oh, yeah, yeah. Like like he knew that Casey and I were here like. We'll believe you, you know, like we're yeah. not going to object. We'll believe you, you know, I could have thrown out any names and you would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I do I, want, I do want to mention too, about Montreal's draft. So we were talking about Slavkowski being their first overall draft, but then later on 26 overall, they draft like his best friend yes. from Slovakia, which was very, very cool because they, um, they were in the process of drafting him, but they had Slavkovsky in the, the Habs room going through it and taking a look at the room, and they've got his jersey hanging up. Then all of a sudden, he sees his buddy, Philippe Michar's jersey hanging there, and he just kind of looks. He goes, really? He goes, this other Slovak? He goes, that's my friend. <laughs> that's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's for sure. And we were, before he came on, Alan, we were just saying how uh, how amazing this weekend was for Slovak hockey and how there were six guys in total from Slovakia drafted uh, this past weekend. Three of them go in the first round, two of them go in the top two and Slavkovsky and Nemec. So uh, it's just great to, to see other uh, hockey countries have that kind of success and have those results. Even though we're, we're Canadian boys, it's, it's great to see other countries evolve. It's just it's good great. for the game. Yeah, it's great for the game. Like, how boring is it when you watch Canada versus 
like Latvia and they just smoke them. It's not good for anybody. The the guys are padding their stats. They're not learning anything. So now that you see the the gap between Canada and other countries closing, it's great for the overall health of the game. We've seen it at the women's game over the last few years and even now the men's game is starting to see that evolve. And each mm-hmm. year you see each each of these countries, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, um, even Latvia, I'll give them some credit. They started to t- started to take strides and it's it's making for an overall better product. Yeah, it seems like every year now, even uh, Austria is is putting a, you know, yeah. first round pick uh, player out there, and it's it's getting exciting. And there has been a few upsets in the last couple of years. Slovakia did really well two years ago, and I think they're going to do even better next year with some of the guys, or sorry, this summer rather, with some of the guys that they have available to play with them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Alan, well, that's one that oh, that's one of the sorry, things I liked about the Olympics was that that we saw what. A lot of these other countries had with with the exclusion of nhlers right like a lot of these countries have guys who are fantastic hockey players maybe they're not in the nhl they're playing pro back home and we don't necessarily know about them but the olympics opens their eyes just to see what's out there i don't know i'm glad you brought that up the olympics because i wanted to ask you that question about slavkovsky did the lack of production in the Liga, does that worry you as a fan or as a guy who pays attention to the game? Um, you know, when you see his Olympic stats, like, does the sample size worry you a bit about Slavkovsky? It's a, it's a little bit of a concern. And I know, I can't remember if I said it to you guys or what, but he said, I'm going to fill the net against Montreal if they don't draft me. I said, well, hey, I just like him to fill the net in La Liga first. But um, <laughs> um, he's going to have a lot more resources with the Montreal Canadiens than he would have over there. Like they've got dedicated skills guys who are the best of the best over here. And um, you look at, look at some of the guys that are involved in Montreal now, especially Vincent LeCavalier. Like he's going to be involved in the development of the Montreal Canadiens prospects and you, him and Le Cavalier, and I say him, I mean Slavkowski, both built kind of the same way. So it's nice for him to be able to have a player like Le Cavalier to learn from, whereas he may not have that over uh, in La Liga. And this is a bit of an impossible question, but I have to ask it because a buddy of mine asked it today to me, and I didn't really know how to answer it because I wasn't sure. But if you were to, to predict next season, who you think has more points in the NHL? Do you think it's your Slavkovsky or Shane Wright? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think Shane Wright probably has more points next season just because I think that with the shape of Seattle and the direction they're heading, he's going to get a larger opportunity right off the hop. Um, Slavkowski, I think it's going to be a bit of touch and go early on with him before he gets into a regular shift. And so I think that probably he might struggle early on to produce, but I think with the way Montreal's headed and they really want to build something, I think down the road, he'll be uh, a strong producer for the Habs. Okay. That that's a really good point about uh, you know about going with right because you know Seattle's got a ton of cap space and they are looking to add offense. They've been tied to John Klingberg on the back end, but who knows who Shane Wright's wingers are going to be? And so they could go out and spend some money and and add a couple of guys who can put the puck in the back of the net, and that's just going to uh, pad the stats for Shane Wright. So um, I, I could see it going that way for sure. And I, I just have one more question to Alan, and then I'm finished. Like, I don't know how much more you guys have, but I just have one more. If you could sum into maybe one sentence why you think Shane Wright fell to fourth, let me know. Can, can you do that? 
I think just the... I think it has to do with this year and the ups and downs that he experienced and how those were navigated by him. Um, I think Slavkovsky was very forthcoming with his short, with this, his weaknesses and addressed them better, whereas I think it rattled Shane Wright a little bit. Okay, that's a good answer. Fair enough. <laughs> that's a great answer. In, yeah. in fairness, Chad, I would say, and kind of... I think it goes in line with what Alan said. It had a lot to do with the other three guys than it did Shane Wright in my mind. I think that they all stepped up huge this year. There's a few times where we heard Logan Cooley was going to go first overall. He's the most talented player in this draft. He's a little undersized. So we, we expect him to go third. And then Slikovsky stepped up huge in the Olympics. And Simon Nemich, he's a defenseman. The Devils needed a defenseman. They didn't need another centerman or they didn't want another centerman. You always need another one. So I was a little confused there. But I think it's a lot to do with the other three guys than it is um, Shane Wright. Totally. Yeah. And it's always easier to gain ground for that number one spot than it is to um, hold on to it. So mm. those guys behind him, it's easier for them to catch him than it is for Shane Wright to hold on to it. All year they're like, Shane Wright's number one, Shane Wright's number one. Well, what else can you do after your the consensus number one pick. Well, there's nowhere to go. Meanwhile, those other guys can all catch up to you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the best example of that is Nolan Patrick. He was the number one pick for the longest time. He sure had a huge, huge world juniors for Switzerland. And then he took a spot. Yeah, exactly. All right, fellas, anything else for, for Alan here before we wrap up? That's all I've got. I think that's it. Perfect. Well, Alan, uh, we were talking about it earlier, but uh, you need to come down to Beeville, my friend, and we need to try some Thousand Islands pizza. <laughs> you need to give one of your reviews, and we can have some pints as well in person. So we need to do that, my friend. All right. That sounds good to me, Harper. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, as always, for coming on the pod. It's always a pleasure, and uh, enjoy the start of free agency on Wednesday, man. I can't wait. It should be wild, especially now that Malkin is out there. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Some crazy My names goodness. out there for the first time in a long time. Yep. Yep. The off-season craziness continues. Anyway, Alan, thanks so much, and, and all the best, man. Cheers. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. 